different. Um, we're in this sermon series, um, aptly named V, on our vision, values, vehicles, and today we're going to talk about victories. Before we do that, we'll receive our, our offering, and uh, man, let's give it up for these studs coming down here. Look at these guys, stallions. Some are moving a little slower in their age, but other than that, they're stallions. Sorry, did I say that out loud? I said that out loud. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to uh, give to you. We thank you, uh, God, that you are faithful. You're so good to us. It is our joy and honor to give you back our tithe, our first 10%, God, to you. We thank you that you bless it. God, I thank you for all the miracle stories, all the testimonies of your faithfulness. We pray that they would continue and continue and continue. And every person who would begin trusting you in this way, God, would just have story after story of your goodness. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. I know you guys love my random stories, right? I mean, by now, I'm hoping. You're like, well, we're used to it. We're kind of stuck with you. Um, I got to tell you a funny story. I was watching the Cortland campus uh, service last week, and you got to go back and check this out. Our pastor, our family pastor there, he helps with different things. Pastor Dave Rosenberger, um, he, made the, he, he made the Blooms and Boards announcement better than I could have ever. Tw two weeks ago, right? Yeah, two weeks ago. Pastor Dave's like, you got to hear this announcement. So usually, like, I'll, like, fast forward to the sermon, right? I'll, like, listen in and... And he's like, no, you, you got you to go back. You got to hear this. Pastor Dave gets up there. And here it's an event for women, right? How many of you ladies were, were there? Just raise your hand, right? So Pastor Dave gets up there. He's like, ladies, you know, or he, he says, men, he says, men, think about it. Your wives are going to be out of the house for a few hours. And they're going to come back knowing how to make you a meat and cheese tray. <laughs> this is the best idea ever. <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's one way to put a slant on it. But uh I love him. Oh, I got such a kick out of that. So maybe go back and take a listen to that. That has nothing to do with my sermon. I just, I just like to warm you up with a little story. All right. Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2. I, um, I was first looking at like Joshua goes around the mountain, right, or goes around the Jericho. And then I was looking at Paul being delivered from prison. I thought, Lord, what are the victories, you know, in the Bible that we should celebrate today and, and how they transfer to us in our lives. In fact, you're going to hear from, uh, from Carrie uh, and Paula Corson at the end about what God's been doing in their life group and from Ray and Nicole about what God's been doing in their life uh, through one of our vehicles in ministry. And there are countless. In fact, it's honestly, it's my favorite part of being a pastor as they get to talk with people about what God's doing in their life. It is the best. And so I could keep you here all day. Uh, with those stories, but we're going to hear just two of them later. So it's going to be a little bit of a shorter message. But what I looked at in the Old Testament was, man, there are these moments when God intervened, and so many of them were like milestones. They were like a mountaintop experience, all right? So what I saw in Scripture were these five mountains of victory. So look at Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. It shall come to pass in the latter days, as the mountains of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and shall be lifted up above the hills, and all the nations will flow to it, as uh, many people shall come and say, Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And that's honestly what happens when millions of people, in fact, right now, literally right 
now millions of people, think about this, around the globe are gathered lifting up the name of Jesus. How cool is that? So it's not just Jerusalem, the literal mountain, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but you have this metaphor of the mountain of the Lord or the hill of the Lord, and you have multiple millions of Christians ascending the hill and worshiping today. How many of you guys felt something different as we just lingered today, as we just worship? It's like this holy moment where it's like God comes and he meets us. It's actually one of my favorite things to preach about. So here we go. Our series this week, again, has been about our vision of leading people to follow Jesus together, right? And, and why are we doing that? We want to transform Trumbull. So we've got some values. We talked about that. We talked about last week our vehicles of ministry, vehicles like FAM. That's what gets us from A to B, right? Like life groups of actually, how are you actually following Jesus? And today, again, we're talking about the victories but I want to tell you, before you hear about some of those victories, about this mountain area, and I'm going to struggle with the pronunciation, but I'm going to try, Kekingjunga. Yes. Is anybody a hiker that is familiar with this? It's got five peaks, all right? So it's got five peaks. It's the third highest mountain in the world, but maybe you've never heard of it. Most of us have heard of K2 or Everest, right, or Matterhorn. But Kekingjunga often flies under the radar, even though it's one of the highest in the world. And it's remarkable because it's breathtakingly beautiful. It's remote. Climbers have a hard time climbing it. But they were committed to not going up the mountain all the way back in the 1850s. It came about that the local monarch asked them for theological reasons not to go up this mountain, and that tradition has just been followed uh, since. So this is this giant, beautiful mountainous area with five peaks, okay? So everybody say five mountains, all right? And when you look at this, it's like stunningly beautiful, but if you read the scriptures, and this week it was popping off the page to me that these moments with God appear often on a mountaintop, a mountaintop, all right? Even Mount Carmel. Right, where Elijah's infamous showdown with the prophets of Baal. A mountain. And mountains, however, I mentioned, they're not so much of their geographical height, but because of their theological significance. No matter what they represent, these giant obstacles, right, that only God can move, it challenges us, requires our faith to grow. And in these moments are uh, incredible encounters with God where it seems like it, it, it's almost like God is descending and we are ascending. Now, this is not a message. I'm not telling you, you know, you need to go find a mountain. I'm not saying that. But I, I am saying it's interesting that we can seek God and look how he reveals himself. Psalms chapter 24 verse 3 says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? It's like the hill is where he establishes who he is, who, what he's about, and what he wants for us. Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and David, all of their big moments with God were on a mountaintop. Have you guys, raise your hand if you've ever had just one of those big moments with God. You can think about like a big moment with God in the past. Yeah, exactly, right? And when we look at some of these patriarchs here, they were on a mountaintop. 
And I want to encourage you today to keep climbing. Okay? Don't give up climbing the hill of the Lord. Some of you might be tired. In fact, that was like the word in the, in the worship time, right? You might get tired in your climbing. But I promise you, there are places of victory that you can only have if you keep climbing. Amen. Amen again. There are moments with God that you can only have, I want to say it again, if you keep climbing. I almost want to say, just keep climbing, just keep climbing. Sorry, it's because I'm a parent of five, right? Dory played too many times. These moments of victory, these are powerful demonstrations. I want you to think about the first one. Let's just think about Eden. Now you might say, was there a mountain in Eden? Made me think of that, right? God's first encounter with man, God, God's creation of man. Look at Ezekiel 26, 13. He calls Eden the holy mountain of God. I never pictured Eden as having a mountain. And maybe he was using it in a metaphorical sense. But I know in the New Jerusalem, Revelation says that there's mountains, that there's rivers, right? That there's trees, that there's, it's, it's beautiful. It's this big tapestry of God's creation. Eden itself, where God puts mankind first and foremost and says, I'm giving you dominion. Everybody say dominion. I'm giving you dominion over the earth. Right? Ezekiel calls it, the holy mountain of God. Everybody just put your hand on your chin and go, huh. Because that's what I did when I, I was like, huh. Some of you are like, huh, I need to shave. Huh. Okay. So human beings are looking down of all creation. By the way, I think Lion King stole that moment everywhere the light touches. I swear, the number of things in movies that I'm like, that's in the Bible. He gives them dominion. And Ezekiel calls it the holy mountain of God. And that there's blessing if we will simply obey. Listening to his instruction. How many notice that the blessing ended when Adam and Eve stepped away from the holy mountain and said, I'm going to do things my way. Look at the second mountain, Mount Ararat. Noah steps out of the ark on the mountainside. And his family having been saved from judgment simply because he found favor in the eyes of God, God immediately makes this promise to his people, his sacred creation. He puts his military bow in the sky. How many of you guys saw the double rainbow last week? I had just taken Selah and Ellie golfing and we left the golf course and the rainbow ended at Duncan. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I did. I took a picture. I was like, I found the pot of gold. There's 12 of them and they're glazed. Come on. Seriously. It was like this. I was like, girls, isn't that glorious? It's beautiful. But really, he puts his sacred bow, this military bow. By the way, that's why it's a rainbow. The word there that God uses is a military. I, will have to say, I don't have time to go into it, but it's the military bow. That God is saying, I'm never going to judge the earth all like this again in water. Interesting, right? So the colors of the heaven, of the heaven spread out and make a promise to God. God commits himself to deal with sin with the most obvious, drastic solution. Destroying everyone in the flood except Noah 
and his family as they called out to God. He was destroying uh, people that were saying, I'm, un, I'm unwilling to submit to God's design. Let me say that again. Unwilling to submit to God's design. What about the next mountain? Abraham. I have to go through these kind of fast because we're in a little long in worship, but. Abraham, Mount Moriah. The third one that you see in the Bible comes as Abraham, he receives this astonishing promise. Even in his old age, he is told, it's like God takes him by the hand and, he, and he's in his tent one day in the evening and God says, look up, Abraham. You see all the stars. I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you as fruitful. All of your children are going to be as numerous as the stars and as numerous as the sand. By the way, that's the power of a vision board. Actually seeing something that God is saying you're, that he wants to do in your life. Think about it, That's the most powerful vision board he could have ever received because he's a shepherd. He sees stars every night. He sees sand every day. I love how God makes it really obvious what he wants to do in our life. But sometimes, by the way, just kind of note to self, write those things down and say, God, you said this. So God told Abraham, I'm going to give you a child and I'm going to make you as numerous. Your children as numerous, right, as the stars. In the sky, as the sand. So you know the story. He gives, he gives him um, Isaac, but only first when he tries to do things in his own will. And he's, he's too uh, impatient with God. Anybody ever done that? Say, God, I see you're taking too long. Is it just me and Jeremiah or has anybody else done that? Right? So he has a child with the maidservant. And Ishmael, by the way, to this day, to this day, right there in Jerusalem, you have a fight. I saw it firsthand four years ago. I saw it firsthand. You have Muslims were arguing with Jewish people right there as Jewish people were trying to pray at the temple wall. And they were demanding that is their theological place, their heritage. Guys, there's a reason why you will see it in the news once a week, minimum once a month. You can trace it all the way back to Ishmael. Everybody say Ishmael. That's when we rush the promise of God, the covenant of God, instead of waiting to, to see what God will do. Come on. I'm preaching better than your amen. And turn to your neighbor and say, boy, you better say something because... So God tells Abraham, you're going to be blessed. you got this child. So now he has Isaac. Now Isaac grows up, and you know the story if you've been here for a while, and maybe you're new. I want to tell you the story. He tells Isaac one day, hey, we are going to go to the top of this mountain, and i got a great idea. God is telling me, right, I'm going to sacrifice you, and I don't know if he told him that before he went. Otherwise, he might not have packed the bags. But he probably just said, come with me. And he gathers the wood. That's a personification of Jesus carrying his own cross. And they go up the mountain. And there's something powerful. He says, where's the sacrifice? And I love this. The father says, God will provide. So they get to the top of the mountain. And God had instructed him to kill his only son. The very son that was promised to him. And Abraham, as you can imagine, this is completely illogical. 
By the way, wait, when you're about to fulfill a covenant from God, often there's a step of obedience that is completely illogical. I'm going to say it again. Often when you're about to step into the covenant promise of God in your life, there are steps of obedience that sound very hard to take. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Big steps of faith, a risk. Abraham's like, I, listen, you tied him down. I don't want to do it. Imagine the tears. Imagine the trauma. Now, I know, like, we, we can't even understand this in today's culture, that this would have been God's instruction. But you have to understand, this was a picture of God the Father sacrificing Jesus some 1,500 years later. And right before he brings down the blade, he hears the ram in the thicket. God had already provided a solution. And likewise, God raises Jesus from the dead. Even death couldn't hold him. Amen? So God often re refers to Israel as his people, as his child. His child. We all are his children, but when you read the Old Testament, you'll find him speaking as a father, saying, let me take care of you. Come back home. If you will come back home to me. And he's always speaking as a father. It's my favorite attribute about God. I, I, you'll hear me preach about it more than anything else, that God is your father, because it's more than anything else I see in the Bible. Virtually seven out of ten times Jesus talks, he says, my father. My father told me to tell you. I don't say anything my father doesn't tell me to say. Let's go to the third one. Mount Sinai, right? Moses, you guessed it, mountaintop. He goes up a mountain, and we often think of this mountain as this judgment, this law, the fire of God. I mean, imagine that. Stones, most theologians believe it was granite, and the finger of God writes the law. How many of you guys, are you, you watch the law being written on a granite, you just be like, I mean, that's an intense worship service. You know? So God gives Moses the law. And what does that do? That gives us a picture of God's perfection. Everybody say a picture of God's perfection. But notice what it's about. It's about having a people unto himself. God has always wanted a people unto himself. What is he saying with Noah? I want my people. I want a people surrendered to me. What is he saying with Abraham? I'm going to make you a people. A family. What is he saying with Moses? I'm separating you from the rest of the world. Come on. I'm separating you. And if you'll follow these laws, and it, you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 27. Actually, for the sake of time, just write it down. <laughs> but here you find the covenant mountain of Zion, Jerusalem, the temple. When I was on this tour in 2017 with Bishop Stearns, he said, he said, now we're about to go up the mountain to Jerusalem, and I want to read. And he read from the psalm saying, come, let us go up. And it was so special. I was moved to tears. I'm sitting there on the bus, you know. Like, if you ever get a chance to go to Jerusalem, you have to go. It's the best investment ever. Got to do it. It was remarkable. And you literally go up a mountain. And Jerusalem is perched there as the promised place of God, this holy temple mount. 
I will tell you that this is where David, our shepherd king, gives us a picture of who Jesus would be. This is where David rules and reigns. And one more time, I want to say it as a shepherd king, giving us a picture, giving us a picture of who Jesus would be. All right? How many of you realize David's known as the, the greatest king ever, ever lived, right? Because he's compassionate, yet he's brave. He goes into battle and he fights with his men. And he loves God. Right? Now we know about his blunders. We know about the Bathsheba moment. But it's amazing. God forgave him and said, he's a man after my own heart. And I want to tell you this morning, if you said, I've done too much for God to love me, it's not true. You see, I've gone, I've gone too far and I've done too much awful things for God to want me in this family you're talking about. That's not true. You have never gone too far that God will not forgive you. I want to say one more time. You have never gone too far that God will not forgive you and he can forgive you today. Amen? And David, David illustrates the love of Father God when, check this out, he adopts his enemy's grandson. Everybody was saying, kill the whole family of Saul. And he says, no, wait, there's a young man named Mephibosheth. You've heard me preach on that before, right? I want to adopt him. And Mephibosheth comes into the family. When you're seated at the table, no one can see you're crippled. Come on. And he's adopted. And he's in the family. Everybody say the family. And it's at these mountaintops that you see God speaking but I want to tell you, it's only when Jesus arrives that we see all five peaks of this mountain, Kekinjunga, one giant mountain, one picture of God's faithfulness. Christ fulfills all the covenants. Christ Jesus fulfills every promise. Amen? Christ Jesus makes this a better Eden. Right? A better Eden. Think about how amazing it would be to walk with God. Now you get to walk with God in here. Your very body, your flesh and bone is a jar of clay, a vessel that the Spirit of God wants to reside in. Wow. Each one of these point to Jesus who comes and is the perfect shepherd king, offering victory and fighting your battle. And that's what I heard in my spirit, that some of you are weighed down from the battle. You're weighed down from the battle. You're forgetting that you are fighting from victory, not for victory. Jesus has already won. Come on, let me say it again. Jesus has already won. He's already won the battle in the war. One of my uh, very good movie, Christian movies have come a long way in the last 20 years. Come on, somebody say thank God. Right? <laughs> I won't even say left behind. No, anyway. Uh, just kidding. We, we watched War Room a couple weeks ago. Man, it was so good. Excellent. And what did you learn? You felt, by the way, like every scene I was feeling the spirit of God in that movie. And that, that movie is anointed by the spirit of God. What, what's the big takeaway of that movie? Go, take this battle to God in prayer and watch God move. Watch God win. And so often we carry these burdens around and we're forgetting that God is already victorious. 
And that there are, there are victories if we will continue climbing the hill of the Lord, if we'll continually trust him. And we say, God, like David, I'm going to trust you. God, like Abraham, this doesn't make any sense to give this up. Whatever it is, maybe it's a dream. Maybe it's a check. Maybe I don't know what it is. For everybody, it's different. But there's something God will always ask you to give up to get what God has for you. That's not in my sermon. I want to say it again. There's almost always, probably always, something you have to give up to receive what God has for you. Come on, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And there's a step of faith that some of you need to take today to say, wait a minute, I'm going to keep climbing. Maybe some of you put down the hiking bag. You need to pick back up the hiking bag and say, God, you gave me this promise. We're going up. You said that you were going to move in my life in this way. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Look at your neighbor. Say it real nice and Disney annoying. Just keep climbing. Just keep climbing. Just keep climbing. Should have been the sermon title. Jesus brought a victory for you that you could not win on your own. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the God of Jacob. I want to invite up Paul and Carrie Corson. They're going to come share briefly about their life group and what God has been doing and what he's going to continue doing for families who are suffering with someone with an addiction. When they shared their heart with me a while back, I was ecstatic because it goes with our Transform Trumbull second initiative, trusting that God would start to give us some ideas on how to reach uh, not just the addict, but the family. So let's put your hands together for Paul and Kara. Good morning, everyone. I got to greet it, but half of you at the front door, so good morning to the other half that I didn't see come in the side door. Uh, this is my awesome wife, Paula, and with another couple, Bill and Angela Liss. I don't know if you know them, but if you hear a hallelujah war cry during, that's Bill. And Angela is a woman, if you need prayer, she got a direct line to God. Um, and we just want to tell you a little bit about our support group. I'll let Paula do the details because she's uh, the detail girl. I have that box and all. <laughs> Good morning. Um, uh, I'm just going to say a little bit about why we're doing why we're doing this and what we are doing. Is we have a support group in our home um, for the family members who have someone who struggles with addiction, and whether that be substance use disorder, alcoholism, or any addiction because it, it, it's really all the same concept. Um, we were thrust into the world of addiction just about 20 years ago. Sorry, I get emotional even thinking about it, but um, for about 20 years, and um, we've had a lot of good times, a lot of bad times. Um, we have two boys who have struggled with addiction. One is almost three years in recovery. The other is uh, seven months in recovery. And um, uh, we knew from the beginning, first of all, our faith was strong, and we always try to keep God at the, the top. We have faltered, we have questioned, we have wondered, we've been mad. Um, I've spent many days laying on my bed, uh, curled up in a ball crying. <laughs> but really, that's, that's been a long time. We've come a long way. There's so much information out there. We've learned so much over the years. Um, we've met some great people. We've been connected with some great people. And we knew for a long time that 
God was going to use this because we know we don't go through anything um, that he doesn't want to use for his good. And it's just been about a year ago, I think, um, Pastor Jordan was talking about life groups. And, and he just, after he was talking, he just mentioned addiction. And Carrie and I looked at each other. And Carrie's like, yep, that's what we're going to do. And I said, what? He said, we're going to have a life group for the families of addiction. And we're like, really? Can we do this? And we can. We can. Um, because we're here for support of, of the families. And... Um, we know that anyone who has a loved one, whether it's a family member, a friend, a coworker, uh, we struggle too. Our lives are turned upside down. We, along with the ones who are addicted, get sick ourselves. It's a different kind of sick, but we get sick. So uh, we need some healing and we need some hope. And all that we've learned over the years, we, we want to share that with people. So we're currently having a group um, one Friday a month in our home, we're working with Pastor Jordan. Um, we're we're working on expanding. We're working on having a second meeting, uh, hopefully even in a bigger format at a at a church um, in our area. We it's important to keep your meeting local where you're at and in our area here and all around. But in our area, we have such a need, such a big need, and um, we're working on expanding. And right now, um, I don't know if, if it's okay to share this, but uh, right now we are just we are under the label of family substance, a family substance a support. But we are working on becoming what is called a thrive group. I know probably no one here has heard of it, but it's um, it's just in the beginning stages. It's only been around for a few years. And a friend of mine, her name is Pamela Lanhart. She lives in Minnesota. She started this group, and it's a faith-based group. Um, but it also, it adds in, um, the craft method. Most people probably hadn't heard of that, but it's community reinforcement and family training. And it teaches, um, evidence-based practices and dealing with our loved ones. And what Thrive is, is they add God. God is in the picture. It's a lot like Celebrate Recovery, but we also add in the craft method. And there's a lot to learn and a lot to know. So um, that's, those are the things that we want to be helping people with and sharing in our meetings. And most of all, we just want to show Jesus. We want to show that, um, that God is love and that uh, with supporting each other and loving each other, we can get healing ourselves. And there's, there's a saying out there, an old saying in the recovery world, uh, we are powerless. Well, we don't believe that. We're not powerless. We can't fix things, and we, you know, we can't make our loved ones better, but uh, we can get healing ourselves, and we can, we can help our loved ones want to seek recovery and healing by the way we love them and the way we treat them, and um, that, that's just what we want. We want to help other p people find recovery. That's excellent. Stay right here for a second. So this is, guys, this is a vehicle of ministry, but look, it's also a victory because I've already heard people say it meant a lot to them to be there. Stretch your hands towards them. We're going to pray a blessing over their group. Father, I thank you, God, that every family who steps foot into this group would instantly feel the love of God. God, that they would lay that very heavy burden down. Lord, even if it's right there sitting on a couch and in front of a coffee table, that they would realize that you are sitting on the couch next to them. 
that you have their arm around them, and God, that you're taking their burden. Give the families insight, the relatives, the parents, God, even the grandparents, Lord, whoever comes in, that they would get insight and wisdom from heaven on how to love that uh, person back into recovery and back into wholeness, into the promise that only you can provide. In Jesus' name, anyone said, amen. Thank you, guys. This is one awesome couple. You may not know, she also makes the church look really pretty, just so you know. Every couple months, she just changes things around. I come in, I'm like, ooh, that's Paula. Uh, give a hand to uh, Nicole coming up here. She's going to share about, yeah, come on now. There, there he is. Come on, man, you don't be bailing on her. Come on now. Ray and Nicole are good friends of ours and have really been in an amazing journey of foster care. So I'm going to let them uh, share their story with you for a minute. Hello. So we just want to share a little bit about our foster care journey. So coming up in September, we'll be licensed for three years that we've been taking kids into our home. It's not been an easy journey. Um, there's difficult times through it, but what I can say is that God is always there. And with God, anything is possible. So from the beginning, Ray knew that uh, he wanted to do foster care. He had been around kids uh, that were in the system his life and knew that he wanted to make a difference. But being honest, I can't say that I just wanted to jump into it. So um, when Pastor Jordan shared the video here, maybe like four or five years ago, um, I melted. Like I was bawling. And I decided, okay, I'm going to pray about this, Lord. If, if this is something that you want us to do, then I need you to show me, Lord, because I will do it if this is your will for us. So he had couples come up here. And uh, if you were even considering it, thinking about it, not that you were going to have to do it. So we came up here. And after service, someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, can I speak with you? I know that... Um, I don't know you and you don't know me, but God spoke to me and told me that he handpicked you to care for his children. I said, okay, Lord, that's the sign. Like, I, this is your will. I will do it. I will trust you. So we've been on this journey. And I can tell you our first placement, my, my biggest fear, it happened. And our first placement lasted a week. And, like, I wanted to, like, first of all, my third, first reaction was, should, should we stop? Like, are we going to continue to do this? But the Lord said, like, no, I chose you to do this. Don't let the devil stop you. Like, you're going to get through this. And I can tell you, I forgave. And I said, I'm not going to let this stop us. And all of us in the vehicle were singing worship music on the way back. Like, it was totally God. Like, God is in control and he is there. You, um, you step in this, this atmosphere with these kids not knowing what they went through in life coming up in the system. And um, we just give them a home. We give them a place to be loved and cared for no matter how long they're with us, you know. And um, it's tough. It really is tough. And uh, I'm standing up in here with emotion because each one of these kids have an impact on our life, on our kids. And um, we've had 13 placements at our home over this time period, from one week to the longest being one and a half years. Yeah. 
and it doesn't matter if it's one week or one and a half years, those kids will put an impact on your life. Um, there's times we had teenagers in our home that you wanted to treat them like your own kids. Uh, and, and we say things to them and they say things to us that, you know, at the time it's because we're heated, we're upset, we're discouraged. Um, but in the end, we're coming back and we're telling each other that we're sorry and that we love you, you know, and, and having them say that I love you, not knowing who you are, um, is just, is just a blessing, you know, and, um, I, I think the path that we're on right now, that this is something that's going to stick for, we, we've talked about, you know, like slowing down and we're going to, you know, we want to take time for our family and stuff like this, but seeing what these kids do, um, uh, in our lives, it's never a dull moment at home. I mean, it's, it, it's always go, 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 go. Um, Nicole just had a rough patch with the two-year-old that we have in our home. These two butted heads like no other. I mean, it, it was like, it was mom and daughter for sure. And Nicole got to the point where she was like, you know what, like, I really want to put her in respite. I need a break. I need some time away. You know, so we did. We, we went away uh, a week with Remy in, in respite. And um, she came back. And it was complete. Like, God intervened on Nicole's heart to show patience to her when it comes to this little girl. I had been praying. I had been praying for a month every day. Lord, please help me to love her like you love her. Help me to see her through your eyes, Lord. Don't let me cause any more trauma, please, Lord. And total, God intervened. I can tell you that I love this little girl like she is my own. And, and I will continue to love her. Yeah, she, she has come a long ways in this past month. I mean, through her speech or talking, uh, we... Uh, just initially started potty training, which was a complete disaster at the beginning. Uh, it, it was a nightmare. I, you know, they're telling us that we need to start doing the potty training, and it's like, okay, we're the only ones doing the potty training, but she goes and visits and stuff, and it's like not being done. It's like we need the help, you know, but complete change. Like, she don't want a diaper on now. She, she'll tell you she needs to go to the bathroom. Just It's just a complete 360, and it was all in God's hands, the prayer, and just uh, keep pouring into her, showing her that we love her. Even though she might have an accident and stuff, we just tell her, it's okay, you know, we'll, we'll get there, you know, and just seeing her light up when she comes home from a visit, and um, she sees her as mom, and she sees me as dad, so it's like, it, you know, and we don't shy away from that. If, if they want to call us mom and dad, that's fine. Her older brother, it's still Nicole and Ray, but that's okay, you know, we still love them each and every day. Um, she prays with Remy before she goes to bed, and uh, I tell Dalen before I leave for work that I love him, you know, and uh, we do. Yeah, and it's something that we'll never get away from. We have a good support group in all of you. Um, Nikki Culver, thank you for everything that you do for us, because there's been times where we were like, if we didn't have fam, we, we would be, uh, I would say we'd probably be a part of that 75 to 80% that gave up already, uh, to, to be blatantly honest with you guys, because... There was, we have our family, our immediate family. Her family's not around here, but my family is. But having all of you guys in support of us has been truly a blessing, and we thank you all. So We just want to say that God recently has showed us that it's more than just about the kids, too, and he's teaching us to love on the family as well and to show them the love and support and that we are here for them and that God loves them yeah. and will get them through this and that anything is possible with God. This is, this is so powerful, guys. To me, this is, this is the stuff of God's kingdom on earth, right? I mean, we've all been in that, that life group where it's like, 
I was going to the mall, and it was like God provided a parking spot. I was like, lady, that's not what God's doing for you. And then you have stories like this where it's like, wait a minute, God's telling us to care for a child. And you know that's Father's heart. You know what I think the end time revival is? You've heard me say this. I want to say it again. This last great, wait, great awakening, it's not seven nights of service a week. It's Malachi 4 being fulfilled. I will return the hearts of the children to the father and the hearts of the father to the children. Come on, right? God is doing something amazing. And I want you to know, it's not just Rock of Grace. I have a lot of pastor friends who running into in the last year or two who started a foster care ministry. Their church has never had one. It's like the whole nation of Christians, it's like we're awakening to God's love and to what God wants to do. I want to reiterate too that, you know, this is just one of our vehicles of ministry, but it is an easy way for you to step in and serve. Because maybe you already like to cook. Maybe you already like to clean. If you like to clean, I'll pray for you. And, but you need to sign up with Nikki. Maybe you want to pray, right? You, lo you love praying. Or whatever it is, respite care. We've had um, four or five cute little, little guys in our house for respite care. Sometimes just for a weekend. I'm telling you, is it not supernatural? You pick up the child and you're just like, I just want to squeeze them and put them in my back pocket forever. It's, I don't know. You're like, everything else goes off the agenda, right? I'm true? true? It's a God, it's a supernatural thing. So I promise you, when you say yes to what God's asking you to do, God enables you to do it. Amen? Reach your hands towards Ray and Nicole. God, we thank you for this amazing couple. We thank you that they are revealing Father God's love, your love. God, to 13 kids, 13 kids whose lives have been forever impacted. And Ray and Nicole, I just want to tell you, years from now, those kids will be growing up. And even when they're facing something hard, they're going to say, yeah, but remember that, remember that family we stayed in? Remember that little town in Kinsman somewhere in the middle of nowhere? That couple, they loved us. That's what Christians look like. And they are seeing God in you. So be encouraged today, God. We pray just a big dose of encouragement and strength for them. Every day when it, um, any of those days when it just gets hard to be patient, God, I thank you. I thank you for the gift of your spirit that brings that gentleness and brings that, that um, patience that can only come from heaven. Thank you for that, Lord. We pray, God, right now that what we pray over them, they stand in the gap. They stand on behalf of every foster family at Rock of Grace. God, I thank you that every one of those couples will have a renewed strength, a renewed grace to continue to love, whether they are, end up adopting or whether that child goes back to mom and dad as they recover and get back on the right path, that there would just be an unmistakable grace. Lord, we see that the gospel is you saying, I unconditionally love you. I unconditionally love you. And God being called your child, I can't think of a picture that's any greater of what you do for us. You unconditionally love us. You call us your children. And we love you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.
so beautiful. God's doing it again. I want to I wanna have you stand up to your feet, and I'm going to invite the prayer team to go ahead and go to the side walls. We're going to skip that one song. I'm going to have the prayer team go to my right and left. And maybe there is a victory that you need, right? And you're in the middle of something, and you're, you're wanting to trust God, but it's, you know, it's getting hard to trust God. We've all been there. We've all had moments like that. I want you to find a prayer team partner today. These guys love you. They already pray for you throughout the week, just so you know. They've told me that. They've told me that, hey, before Sunday, Pastor Jordan, I'm already praying for whoever ends up walking up to me and coming in my prayer line. Scripture says that where two or more, right, are gathered in his name and believe, right, that he's right there in the midst. He's right there wanting to help you, wanting to comfort you, wanting sometimes to give a, a godly word of wisdom. So I want you to find a prayer team member. I'm just going to give you a minute. You're going through going through something, you know you need a victory. And for the rest of you, as you exit, can you do me a favor, exit real quietly today? And if you want to chat, just do so in the foyer or out to my left. God, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing at Rock of Grace. Thank you that we really are following Jesus together. Lord, there's a togetherness here that is just so beautiful, and I thank you for it. Thank you for ministries like Life Groups and FAM. God, I pray that any, any person who feels like a lost sheep, God, that they would feel your shepherd's hook pull them in. God, that they would be personally invited to a group, or they would, God, show up to a group, message that Life Group leader, God, and they would step in to a church family. God, we know you don't want just people showing up to a worship service. You want a family. You reveal that through Abraham. You reveal that through Moses. You want a people unto yourself. So we dedicate our lives to you. We separate ourselves from the world, and we say, God, we are yours. Speak to us from your holy mountain. Make our hearts pure and our hands clean as we ascend the mountain of the Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Everyone said...